What's up, you freaks? Uh, Strength Talking Shop Podcast. This week's guest is Nate Harvey uh, of Elite FTS. Uh, Nate is somebody that I have followed for many, many years. Uh, he's a big inspiration and a great resource for me as a coach. His articles are on Elite FTS. Uh, he's a great resource for you coaches. Uh, reach out to him. We had a great conversation where he talked about his background, um, how he got into coaching, uh, where he's at now at Elite FTS. Uh, where he, you know, he's the author of the Conjugate You book, uh, kind of where Conjugate came into his life and his training and how he trains his athletes uh, with the Conjugate method. Maybe some misconceptions that we all think with the box squat and uh, just Conjugate and how they do things uh, with the system. So as always, uh, reach out to Coach Harvey and all the coaches that have been on the Strength Talking Shop podcast as this is for a resource for you guys and for all the coaches out there and all the professionals to just learn and to grow in this industry and to create relationships. So I really hope you guys enjoy the episode. Uh, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram, uh, Strength Talking Shop 1 is the username. Uh, share it with your friends. Uh, if you have any recommendations for guests, go ahead and hit me up on there too as well. And always stay strong. What's up, guys? Uh, Strength Talking Shop podcast. My guest today is Nate Harvey of Elite FTS. Nate, how are you doing today, sir? Real good. Good. So let's kind of dive in a little bit. Um, kind of give the listeners a background. Um, I know you're at Elite FTS right now. Just a little bit about how you got into coaching uh, and everything like that. Sure. Um, I started. Um, I started training when I was 12. Uh, I turned 41 this summer somehow. Um, <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> it was, it was kind of like when I started training, it was, it was kind of like all my other interests besides training and sports just kind of took a back seat, you know? Um, and a couple of years into that, like we had an extra room in, in my parents' house and I cleaned it out and got a weight set and that whole thing. Um, and after a couple of years of that, my dad kind of saw like where my interests were going and he, uh, he mentioned, you know, there's a job called strength coach and he kind of, you know, explained what it's all about and stuff. And it was really like, at that point I kind of knew like, that's what I wanted to do. You know? So like from the time I was 14, I knew like I was playing football and stuff. That was my main sport. So but it was almost like I enjoyed training as much as playing, you know, the game. Um, so it was kind of like from the time I was 14, I kind of knew I wanted to coach and kind of do that. Um, and where I grew up, we grew up in a real small town, uh, a basketball town. So there, there weren't a ton of resources, for training yeah. like my my main uh source of training was go down to the local grocery store and pick up the latest muscle and fitness or <laughs> muscle media 2000 you know what i mean not like us so, lucky uh, young guys where we got everything at our hands and feet yeah right I, 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 I mean, people complain about it but it's really cool i mean yeah. you, like you can go you know a lot of the top guys out there you know send them a message and they'll answer your questions you know i mean i think it's pretty neat yeah it's, it's actually really cool yeah yeah, but, you know, we had, so we had to go down to the grocery store, and really nobody lifted where I was at. I could get a couple guys. I had one one friend in particular or two growing up that would kind of hang out and hang in there with the training, but any of, you know, you get a kid stop in to train once in a while, and that was about it. So it's kind of kind of on your own and just trying to figure stuff out. And then uh, I was lucky enough to go play D3 football at Brockport, um, but being a smaller D3 school, we didn't have, like, a strength coach. It was yeah. more our – 
I think it was our O line coach kind of put the workouts out and we signed in and that was kind of it. So, you know, just researching and me being a 19 year old kid, I was of course knew better than this coach who put the workout out. So <laughs> <laughs> still looking for stuff, you know, it was always kind of like people, people do this too. Like they program hop, you know, I was a program hopper yeah. looking for like the magic pill or whatever, the magic program. Um, and then it was my, before my going into my senior year, I stumbled on the conjugate method because um, I was following Mike Allstott. I don't remember. You remember Hell him? He was yeah. a fullback yeah. for the Bucks. Hell yeah. Yeah, right? Dude was like 260, 270, ran like a tailback. So I love in my Mike mind, Allstott. I was like, he, he was awesome. Yeah. Like, I probably had a man crush on him. Probably <laughs> not healthy. Probably not healthy. Hey, it's okay. I had one on Eddie George growing up as a kid. Like, he was my idol growing up for some yeah. weird reason. Yeah, Eddie George, I don't know. That's I was, I was the same way, like, Every athlete that I would like try to follow when I was growing was always like the biggest, freakiest guys. I was like, that dude's awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so anyways, I was reading uh, an article how he was training, and they mentioned that he was using chains for his bench and squat. Yeah. So in my mind, I'm like, I'm, if I train like Allstott, I can play like him, which doesn't work like that, unfortunately. <laughs> um, Only. But I, yeah, I, uh, I stumbled on some articles uh it was i found one of louis and one of dave's pretty much at the same time i started talking about the conjugate method and i was like this and i started reading and like i kind of read um it was dave's periodization bible part two it kind of lays out the conjugate system and i was like this makes so much sense you know doing the speed work and doing the max effort and then the accessory stuff so i tried it going into my senior year um senior year went great i felt healthier faster stronger more recovered than i ever have so I was like, there's got, there's, there's something to this, but you know, I really hadn't, I hadn't done anything with it, you know. So, like, I remember going to a, an interview with an NFL team for a, uh, just for a volunteer internship, mm-hmm. and I brought up, I brought up some of the things that I had been reading about, and they were, you know, they were kind of just brushing off, like, yeah, we really don't get it that into it here and stuff, and you know, so really, not many people were doing it at that time, yeah. um, but it was funny. So I was on Elite back in the early 2000s, almost from day one. They started in 98, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I kind of had this goal of being a strength coach, which I finally ended up getting my first job in 07, 2007. So like basically like from the early 90s to 07, I'm following Elite. I'm on there all the time, printing articles out, you know what I mean? I got a stack of articles like that in my bathroom. Wow, that's awesome. You know, before we had cell phones to take, another, take a shit with, you had to print <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was just I was on there all the time reading and stuff and um so that it was kind of cool. It's kind of funny that I kind of ended up where I did cuz I've been such a follower of the site and stuff, you know. So anyways, um coached for 10 years. I got to be was lucky enough to um be a director of Olympic sports for my last 4 years. Uh we got to redo our room. I was lucky enough our our AD when I got promoted to the head guy uh saw the need for a new weight room. So I was basically able to go shopping at Elite. That's awesome. Uh, redid, redid our whole room. So it, it was really good. It was a great experience. Got to work with some great kids. Um, then uh, towards the end, we had a new AD come in. Kind of had a different vision. You know what I mean? Yeah. Then then it, it's funny because at this time, we, we had had the teams that I was working with, we were having a ton of success. Like injuries were down. Championships were rolling in. And it was, you know, kind of kind of weird that things worked out the way they did but oh, yeah. lucky enough 
you know, um, when that ended, I went down. They were having um, the, uh, the under, one of the underground strength sessions were all the and I had gotten sponsored before I was done coaching. I was okay. brought on as a coach like six months before. So that was that was a huge deal to me too, you know, yeah. um, being a follower of the site and stuff for so long. So I went I uh, after after the coaching ended I went down and Matt Goodwin, our director of sales, he was like, Hey, um, I don't know if you're interested or not, but we might have a spot opening up. And without even asking, I was like, Hell yeah like and then I was like, Well what is it? And he's like I want to expand our sales department and bring out another guy. And, you know, he's like, I think it'd be a good fit. And I was like, I'm not a salesman. <laughs> to be honest with you, <laughs> yeah. he's like, don't worry about it, man. Just, just come in and do your thing and we'll get it rolling. And so I, I always said like, I could not have landed in a better spot after that. So I, I've been there going on, it'll be three years mm-hmm. this summer, I think, or three years this fall. So I've been, been doing sales and then um, I also do consulting uh, I'm working with a couple of high schools now and stuff with their programming and things like that. I do a little bit of online coaching, but uh, the, the main thing is like sales and trying to get out and do seminars and clinics and just trying to kind of spread the good word. You know what I mean? Yeah. I know as somebody that's uh, followed you for a really long time, that you're a great resource to follow on Elite. So I, I definitely say, you know, most coaches need to get out there and listen to your articles. I know you read a book, uh, too, called Conjugate You. I want to mm-hmm. dive in a little bit about that and kind of the, the makings of the book, how long that took you to do and, you know, kind of the inner workings of it. It's, well, it's, it's kind of like I was talking about, like when I did this in college, I knew, I knew there was something different. You know, I knew there was something kind of special. And, and even at, when I was done playing football, once I took all the running and stuff I had to do out of the picture, like once football was over, the strength gains that I was making was just ridiculous. Like I was starting to do stuff that I never really even thought about doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Breaking that potential. So yeah. Yeah, it was even kind of further, you know, solidifying what I thought. But at the same time, I'm like a 22-year-old kid, you know. Um, and, and as I was going through my, my graduate work and stuff, I feel like the conjugate thing was kind of starting to pick up a little more momentum. You, you know, with all the work Louie did, mm-hmm. um, a lot of, co- you know, some college coaches and, and NFL guys uh, were picking up on it. And I was very lucky. when I When I started at UB – we had um, Julia Anto was on board at the time, uh, Paul Childress, Buddy Morris. So we had all three of those guys there who were all part of Elite at that time at this little shitty school, you know what I mean, who's barely been in D1 for yeah. a few years. So And, and I had been following this stuff, and I got to come in and start learning from those people. you know. And then there was a, uh, another guy there, uh, Ryan Groneman. Um, he actually played. He played at Boise State. The first year, um, I think it was the first year they went undefeated mm-hmm. and, and went to a bowl game. So he was like, the, he was there for their turnaround, and his strength coach was Joe Kent. So I kind of had like secondhand, you know what I mean? I had, yeah. I, I always talk about those guys when I go and speak. Like, yeah. I was super lucky to be where I was and learn from them because I, I, I could not have been in a better situation, you know what I mean? Can you kind of dive in a little bit more? Because I know a lot of the listeners are young coaches just the importance of finding good mentors and because those three people, you know, four people you just named are people that are, you know, some of the best of the best in this industry. As far as I follow buddy religiously, you know, love you buddy, you're the man, but kind of dive in a little bit more of that, just how good it is to have a good mentor and stuff like that. Cause I was lucky enough to have some great mentors in Quinlan and Teeter. I know we talked beforehand, but that is super important. I think to find those mentors that, that can get you the right resources and stuff. 
it's 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 huge. So like at that point, that was like oh seven, and I'd been so at that point that would have been like seven or eight years I'd been messing around with the conjugate stuff, uh-huh. and I felt like I was pretty well versed and understood the system in that, but which I did. Like I got the kind of got the basics, but like when you go in and see guys like Paul and Grony and they're doing speed squats with four and five plates plus chains and bands and the bar is just flying up. That's like seeing those things and, and listening and watching those guys coach. I was, I think a lot of people miss out on this. Um, a big thing in the industry right now is movement quality. We're watching movement and this, a lot of the stuff I see online, we're not, we're not watching the movements in the weight room. Mm -hmm. And those, those are the ones and I've seen this, those are the ones that make the most difference. Mm-hmm. If you just lift correctly, you will take care and have a pretty decent setup program. You'll take care of a ton of problems. Mm-hmm. So being able to come in under those, like all those people coach their ass off. You know what I mean? They, yeah. didn't, they didn't throw the workout out and go sit in their office. Right. You know, every rep is coached. So being able to see that and the difference that it made was a huge, huge benefit for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that, that's something I try to communicate to people now is like go learn from good people everybody wants to know what books they should read and <laughs> grony said this he when i was there he's like i don't need to go to a fucking conference and i don't need to read a fucking book because i got buddy and paul right here if i want to know something i'll just ask those guys yeah 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 exactly. you know what i mean yeah. not that it's bad to read obviously it's good to read but you'll learn so much more or go train with some experienced powerlifters that aren't banged up you know what I mean? Yeah, I was given some of the same advice that you were there, and that's something that I found that has made me as a, as a coach that much better is reaching out to other coaches and learning on what they're working with too. And I think I heard you on a podcast talk about this too, and you just said that as well. Reaching out to other people that are outside of the industry as far as strength conditioning, the powerlifting side or you know the Olympic weightlifting side and everything like that because those are resources too. Just because they're powerlifting or Olympic lifting doesn't mean that they can't you can't translate something over into your program. Absolutely. That's a great point. So, so everybody wants to go reference the newest and hottest sprint coach or sprint techniques that are going on right now or at the time to make their athletes stronger. Why not go talk to the strongest and most powerful athletes yeah. to get your athletes stronger? You know, like mm-hmm. like all my spe- all my conditioning stuff and my speed, I stole from Charlie Francis. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It was all heavily influenced from them because kind of when I was coming up, that was the big, the big thing. You know, and not like now everybody wants to quote the Jamaicans or um, Dan Path or you know, which is great. Yeah. You know, go to those, go to those. Like if you're sick, if you got something wrong with your health, you should go to a specialist, not your primary care physician. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, what I mean? if you have a heart issue, go to the cardiologist, not your primary care guy, because primary care guy, he don't know. Go yeah. to the specialist and then pull. The, you know what I mean. So do the same thing with your with your coaching. Yeah, I, th- I think that's massive because uh, that's where uh, you you find the most growth is you find some differences in your programs that maybe that that, get, that you can bring over and everything like that. And uh, like we were going back talking about other coaches too. You know, I I made it a big point of visiting as many coaches as I possibly can when I'm in a given area because I'm going to learn something from them. I might not like it, or I might. Not exactly use it, but I can always try it out for another time and everything like that. And plus, you get to see um, other coaches coach. How do they coach? How do they cue things up? Why do they cue things up and everything like that? Um, so I think that's massive. Where do you see people um, screwing up with conjugate training? 
like when they're programming for their athletes or wanting to implement it in and stuff? Uh, <clears throat> I think I think they want to modify too much. Ah, yeah. If I could think of like one general thing, like we we ran a pretty similar system kind of to what Westside did. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? We took that basic template and we would change things up here and there. You know, we weren't wide all the time on our box blocks. Um, we throw in some unilateral stuff, jumps, mobility. Um, but I think I think people think that conjugates designed for after i'm sorry power lifters so they're scared to you know make it too similar to kind of the the um, traditional template yeah so i think they start modifying too much uh and they, they're kind of overthinking it yeah. like if you just take a basic conjugate system and throw it in on some athletes and if you if you coach the movements correctly which will take care of like i said before most yeah. of your problems you'll get some really good results yeah you I, know and and the, I, I think people are scared to box squat too I think if you, you just let you because it's it's simple. It's a simple exercise that athletes can pick up, they'll recover from faster. Just let them do that. It'll save you so many headaches as opposed to free squatting. Yeah. You know what I mean? How many coaches want to bang their head off the wall after every session because none of their kids are squatting to death? Yeah. Throw a box in, teach them to box squat right. They'll pick it up in a couple weeks, and and you're good to go. Those those are probably the biggest two mistakes I see. I like what you said there as far as like uh, getting them to a spot where they need to because they know the box is there. So um, one thing I know I've seen coaches use are like those bungee cords that their kids need to, you know, they have their ass touch the bungee cord and then they'll come up. I don't know. Have you seen those? So yeah, I think that's great and all, but a box, it's so much easier to set up. I ain't got to mess with these stupid ass bungee cords that are going to pop in my face and, you know, smack me or whatever. So where do you see people going wrong with the box squat? And then I want to counter off of that too. I had a conversation with somebody uh, a couple days ago, and this was for powerlifting purposes because I know you compete in powerlifting as well. Why box squat for a powerlifting meet when you're not going to use that in the meet? So, so the most the most common mistakes I see on the box squat is um, not keeping a perpendicular shin angle. Yeah. I think that's huge, and I know there's um, – the big thing in the industry right now is ankle mobility and you need to have athletes need to have ankle mobility. I completely agree, but I don't think you build that skill into your main power development movement. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, don't, don't try to achieve ankle mobility with your squats. Right. Work on it separate because to me, when you keep a perpendicular shin angle, which is what you should get when you're box squatting, you're pushing more stress and load into the glutes and hamstrings, which is what everybody talks about. That's what everybody wants. That's right. why everybody squats, right, for glutes and hamstrings. Right. When your knee goes forward and your feet are too close, you're not doing what you say your objective is. Right. So those are, that's the biggest thing. that perpendicular shin. The next biggest mistake I see is um, the box is too high. Mm. You know, get With athletes, you don't have to be competition parallel, but you should be within an inch or two. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So th- those are the biggest mistakes. Um, and then with powerlifting, to me, it just saves wear and tear on your body. It saves wear and tear on your knees. A, a good thing to do if you're if you're a powerlifter and you're not comfortable box squatting and then just going to the meet and squat, throw in some free squat once in a while. You know, maybe once a month, maybe on your speed work, yep. maybe every other week, whatever. Everybody's kind of different. You know, um, I've had I have some online uh, raw clients. Who've done they've done pretty well what we do is a lot of times we'll do our speed work without the box so the weight is less 
you know, it's 50 to 60, 70%, whatever we're going to use. But it's light enough where they can kind of think their way through the set yeah. and keep their form good and work on the speed and then kind of ingrain the technique. But on the heavy days, we'll throw the box in for a little bit of reinforcement and then kind of you can almost look at it like an overload. You yeah. know what I mean? But, you, yeah, if, if you're a power lifter, you have to keep the skill of free squatting in. Like for myself, if I, I'll train off the box 99% of the time and then when I start getting ready for a meet about – eight or six weeks out, I'll start doing my speed work um, with just my suit bottoms on. So the suit kind of acts like the box. Right. But I kind of, I get, I have lighter weight, so I get the practice of skill. And then that helps me carry over to the meet. And I'll throw in a heavy, you know, suited squat every once in a while. But it's, everybody's different. You've got, whatever you got to do to maintain the skill of a free squat is what you should do. The problem is, like, lifters will... They say, I'm going to do conjugate or I'm going to box squat, and that's all they do. And then they go to the meet, and they haven't free squatted in three months. Right. And then they get screwed because they, they, they forgot how to squat. Right. You know what I mean? And then they say, well, nah, that doesn't work. No <laughs> shit, you haven't done it for three months. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I'm going through the same experience right now. So I'm training for a powerlifting meet in March. And uh-huh. I've been doing conjugate training for it and squatting to a box and everything like that. But – I was having this, you know, discussion with this other coach, and he said, "Well, you need to start maybe throwing some free squatting." He's like, "Why the hell are you squatting to a box? You're not going to use that for the meet." So that could be something that I could pull in yeah. there, where I pull in that free squat, maybe in on my speed days and everything like that. So some good advice. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll take that and throw that in. Wenning Wenning had a really good method. He would. Um, I might be screwing this up, but this is he. Uh, he talked about about once a month. He would put a free squat in, and it was basically almost like progressive overload, like three months out, it might be 70, 75% for a couple of doublers or a couple of triples without the box. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then the next month it would be, he'd, he'd creep it up to 80, 85. I don't remember the exact percentages, but he would just creep the percentage up as he got closer to the meat and bring the reps down a little bit just so he kind of would remember how to do it. Okay. Yeah. I like that. That's bringing it into, you know, closer into the meat too as well and getting yeah. used to that progressive overload and everything. Yeah, and another thing, a lot of people will, um, a lot of raw lifters, I think it's good to box squat wide to, to kind of bring your hips up. And To me, it's two totally different movements, you know what I mean? So you're hitting your wide stance box squat, but if you're stronger with a medium stance, by all means, go to the meet and do the medium stance because it's, it's very hard to get your hips, the, your hip strength up to the level mm-hmm. of where they would have to be and go hit a good free squat out that wide if you're not used to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that they're two different things. It's just two different tools. Yeah, so that's kind of the problem I've had here. So I am trying to progress my hips and my hamstrings. Of course, I'm being selfish talking about myself right now on the podcast. But uh, <laughs> There's lot, lots of people have the same thing. <laughs> yeah, so I, I mean, I'm just building up the hips and I'm building up my hamstrings, doing the box squats wide and everything like that. But when I was doing my competition, um, I was trying to still do it wide and it was – not going, I was not getting to depth as, as well as like, I was not having that hip mobility. So br- I brought in my stance a little bit, um, and it's helped out tremendously. So, uh, but is it, I'm trying not to pull too much on the quad though, too, is, you know, that you're going to in- integrate more quad strength in there too, aren't you? Yeah. 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 Without the box, there's, there's definitely more quad. And it, you know, when you free squat, you're going to have a little bit of forward knee drift. Yeah, that's it's just it's very. There's, 
most people. It, it, it's hard to keep a perpendicular shin when you free squat yeah. for most people. So, like I said, it's kind of two different movements. So maybe maybe a free box, free squat, box squat every other week. There's lots of different ways you can do it. Yeah, kind of mess around yeah. there. So um, I want to kind of circle back a little bit on you know your journey into the coaching and everything like that. Um, when you first kind of went into the sales of elite, you said that you were like, oh, I'm not a salesman and stuff like that. Were you nervous to, to start doing the sales? And, and I bet, uh, you know, this is a, you know, an outsider looking in, I bet it has helped you tremendously in learning and meeting other coaches though too as well by having to do that sales. So kind of go into like maybe, um, you know, because there's some coaches are maybe unemployed, they don't know what to do. You know, maybe they're nervous on what their next position is going to be. You know, kind of go into that a little bit. Yeah, I'm still fucking nervous about it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Um, no, it's you know, it, it's funny. My wife, she uh, she's like, you're so lucky. Like, you got this new job, and it's it's basically like the same thing, and you just walked into it. You know what I mean? I'm like, and I'm thinking to myself, coaching is nothing like sales. You know, yeah. but it, I personally, I think sales is has changed a lot i think people are smarter like people when you say sales people think of the, the car salesman with the slick back hair and all the yes exactly <laughs> yeah. like corny sales bullshit that we typically think of i i think people are smarter now they know when they're being sold you know what i mean so yeah. like all those to me all those like stupid tricks and old school sales stuff people talk about like call them every two days and you know don't take no for an answer and all this, like, no, like to me, it's, you just got to help people out, right? Help people out. And, and I hate this term because I think it's a, a overused and abused in coaching, build relationships. Yeah. You know what I mean? Help people out. Let them know you're there to help them do a good job and everything else will take care of itself. You know, that's kind of like, that's to me, that's kind of what our, like what Dave's business model is. is like, we kind of do the sales so he can put out a ton of free information you know what I mean? If we just help people out, give good info and, and are a good resource, people will want to want to buy from us. You know what I mean? I think that's more kind of where where it's gone. Um, but yeah, you know, and it's funny you talk about getting out and talking to coaches and stuff. That's something I wish I would have done more of. Um, when I was coaching, you know, I was there all the time. It's just you. You got to be on all the time, all day long. A lot, of, a lot of these guys have groups all day long. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're and stuck. It, you're it, stuck it, inside it your weight room. Re- yeah, yeah. You're stuck in your weight room for eight stop. hours. Yeah. You know, I, I remember talking um, to my assistant. Just kind of within the last year that I was coaching, it was like, and I told him, "I'm like, dude, I don't want to. When I'm not here, I don't even want to think about training." You know what I mean? Because it was getting to the point where that's all you think about at work. You have to go meet with sport coaches and explain to them what you're doing, why you're doing it, this and that. And then you go and, and talk to other coaches. And it was all, you know, it was just like, as much as I love training and it's a huge part of my life, I was getting to the point where it was like, I don't, I don't care. I don't care what anybody else does. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to talk. So, but, so now it's like refreshing. You know, now I'm not I'm not doing that all the time. So if I get a chance to go talk to a coach and pick his brain, I like it. Now that you know, I'll listen and I'll probably learn some things. Whereas before, it was like, 
I don't, I don't care what percentages you use. I don't, I don't want to hear about core or movement <laughs> quality or, or shove all that stuff up your ass. I don't care. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. But coaches got to realize and like when I first, we kind of talked about like, I was a little bit panicked. Like, how do I do the sales thing or whatever? Like you gotta, you've had to do, you've, you've had to do more than just coach to get that job. Like most coaches, you have a huge skill set that you probably don't even realize that you had to use to get and keep that job. Like just, so when I got let go, the first thing I did, it was on a Friday and we were building a deck behind my house. And it was probably the best thing I did. I came home that weekend and I didn't think about trying to get a job. I didn't think about anything. I just went out and worked on my deck. Like I sucked down a bunch of coffee, maybe a couple of whiskeys and I worked my ass off on the deck and I had a notepad. And anytime I would think about like an idea, something I could do, somebody I could call my book is when I, I'd been thinking about the book, but that was at that point I was like, now we're going to do it. You know, so I just, I just made, I had like three pages of notes of things that, like things I might investigate or look into, yeah. just ideas. But other than that, I just got away from everything, try to clear your head a little bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And in that process, I was like, you know what? Uh, so I had all the, like, for instance, I had these hundreds of athletes, and we seemed to have, we had pretty good athlete buy-in. Like, I felt like most of our kids didn't hate training. They didn't mind coming to the weight room. A lot of them were really bought in and liked training. A lot of them like training more than their sport. You know That's what I mean? So I'm like, huge. okay. Yeah. So I was like, so how do we do that? Okay. We used to do this. You know, like the kids knew we were passionate about it. We, we, we did our best to, to help them out. I didn't use a bunch of stupid one-liners to get them to buy in and all this. You know what I mean? Just yeah. So I was like, okay, let's take those things and maybe I can take that into something else and we can, you know, kind of spin it off and use it another way. You know, it's, it's a... Um, Power lifters, Dave. I'll use Dave for example. Dave kind of took his lifting passion and switched it over to the business. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And now he's doing great. Look at um, Mark Bell. You know, was a top level power lifter. He took that training passion or competition passion and pushed it into his business. You know, I think more, a lot, even in the fitness industry, there's a ton of meatheads out there. If they would take that and be able to spin it into something else, mm -hmm. they probably could make a ton of money. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it was kind of it was kind of stepping back and taking that time to say, okay, we gotta we gotta make a transition. How am I gonna? I'm not. I don't know much. Like training is pretty much what I've spent my freaking life learning about. How do I take those things and kind of spin it into something else? And like I said, luckily it kind of worked out. Yeah, I, I, there's a lot to dive into right there. The you know the taking the step back and dissecting what you've accomplished. I think a lot of coaches don't take the time because like you said, you're in the weight room from 4.30 in the morning until 7.30 at night. You don't get that time to self-reflect and look back on what you did with your athletes and everything like that and to build upon. Um, you know, myself, I'm, I'm currently out of the industry, so I'm working at, you know, a different, different career route and everything. Um, and it doesn't mean that you can't still get better at your craft and take those things that you had in coaching and going in a different avenue and everything like that. So... Um, I think there's a lot of good information that you just said there on the transition of, you know, from coaching to not coaching, and um, you know, it all comes down to also being in a great spot once you once you leave. And I think being at Elite's probably just, you know, as a consumer, it's the only place I buy my stuff from. So uh, 
I think it's great. Yeah, we appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's yeah. I said before, man, I couldn't couldn't have asked for a better spot, really. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, um, kind of wind things down a little bit here. Kind of some rapid fire stuff here. So, who are some uh, people that you you know listen to? Maybe some resources for other coaches, kind of look out uh, and to listen to. Maybe read. Anybody on our site, Elite, is my first go-to. Um, like I talked about before, my mentors, um, Buddy Morris, Paul Childress, Ryan Groenman, um, Julia Anto, her and her husband, uh, Christian, he's on the site. They're doing a great job with the conjugate stuff. Um, Joe DeFranco, mm. um, Donnie Thompson. When I was coaching, you know, Donnie was – the last couple of years, Donnie was starting to put stuff out, like the body tempering, the, you know – Anytime we would steal something from Donnie, his squat cycle that he used to be uh, a world record holder, yeah. we put on our athletes, and they freaking – it worked awesome. So, like, his stuff is great. Uh, um, anytime we stole something from him, it worked really well. Um, I'm a big fan of the RPR, Reflexive Performance Reset mm-hmm. stuff. I've gotten into that in the last couple of years. Uh, those are those are my top right up. Like, like I said, Charlie Francis – for the um, for the sprint work was big. Those those are probably my top top uh, top. What anything Westside puts out, Louis obviously a huge influence. I can't I can't leave him out. You know what I mean? He's he's done. He's changed the game. Um, but yeah, those are probably my go tos. What would be some of your uh, just advice for young coaches or people that are just getting into the industry? Um talk to a lot of people talk to talk to people that are have been in it a long time um you know don't always go for the new flashy stuff not that there's not a ton to be learned from everybody but you gotta that's people will complain about their um, their exercise science degree how it doesn't help them coach but to me that's where you get your bullshit meter from you know if somebody's talking about something and it makes absolutely no sense then that's where your kind of your alarm should go off. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, get out and talk to people. There's so many. There's a ton of smart people that know a lot more than you do. Um, I, I was lucky to, to be surrounded by really good people, so I didn't have to. I was able to to pick from my immediate resources and do pretty well. Yeah. You know, not everybody's like that. I understand not everybody has that. Um, I would say this one. This is like in my transition. One thing I've looked back on while I was coaching, like if you have an idea or something you want to pursue or something you think could help kind of move you forward, get on it. Don't wait. Yeah. Don't, don't like people talk them out of people talk themselves out of good ideas way too often. Like there's, there is two, maybe three products on the market right now that are starting to get pretty popular that I wanted to come out with. And I, thought it would be good ideas yeah. but now somebody already did it damn <laughs> damn you know yeah. so if you have an idea get on it get on it and work on it and you know like my book i um i started thinking about that about probably three or four years before i actually got it out wow. you know and but part of, part of me not putting it out too was like i we haven't we haven't had enough success to back this up that was that was a big part of my hesitation. Okay. But then like my last, basically my last year in coaching, like things blew up and 
you know, our results took off. And so then finally, when I was done coaching, I was like, this has to be done. Like we've got, we've got the kind of kind of got the proof to back it. Right. You know, so we can put it out and get it going now, but don't wait, man. If you, if you got ideas, get on them. Okay. Um, I know you're a metal head. What's your uh, top, yeah. top three metal bands? Ooh, that's tough. Um, or three that you're currently like is in the rotation pretty heavy right now. Okay. Uh, I got I gotta say Pantera. That's probably that pro- Pantera is probably my top all time. That, that goes way back to high school. Like Phil Anselm, and that's like a lot of my shit talking on social media and stuff. Like that's Anselmo influence. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I gotta put them. Hate breed is huge. Like anytime you kind of go off on little tangents and, but to me, hate breeds kind of like conjugate, you know what I mean? Yeah. You can kind of vary and go on different paths, but you're always going to come back to that. You can throw that on any time. Um, and lately what's been going on lately? Uh, the sword is pretty big lately. I'll check them out. The sword, they're pretty good. Uh, another good standby is, um, electric wizard. Okay. I'm not a huge I'm not a huge fan of all their stuff, but um, Dope Throne is. If you, you only go listen to one Electric Wizard album, get Dope Throne, and that will change. That's uh, that's it's a whole that's like a to me that's like a whole different genre. Yeah. Um, High on Fire is real good to me. High on Fire is what uh, Motorhead was trying to do but couldn't. A lot of people will hate on that, but they're. <laughs> They're pretty. They're, if you like it's kind of some deep, heavy, tuned down stuff, they're they're always good. That's funny uh, that you said Pantera. I knew I knew you were Pantera from all the the stuff that you put on with Conjugate You yeah. and everything. But I have a funny story about uh, Pantera. Um, when I was a kid, I was maybe I don't know five, six, seven years old, and I was chilling in the S10 with my dad, and he's like, "You want to hear some music, son?" And my dad grew up listening to Motley Crue, you know, whatever, and he yeah. put he put on Cowboys from Hell. And I got like goosebumps at like six, seven years old. And I'm like, oh, this is fucking awesome, man. And ever that since, is... I've been a diehard Pantera fan. And I that that Cowboys from Hell album will go, you know, bar none, probably one of my top albums I listen to. And uh, that's pretty good. Hatebreed's always in the rotation, too, as well. So Your dad's a good man. That's a fucking awesome story. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I will, to this day, I can remember the road we were on and when he put that on and. You know, just that first guitar riff, and I'm like, holy shit. I, I was the same way. I was in high school, um, and I had heard, so like I was, you know, I grew up watching Headbangers Ball. Mm-hmm. For Tara song I heard was uh, This Love, and then I saw the video for Walk after that, and I'm like, holy, because it's the concert, it's the concert footage, and they come out over the crowd, and everybody's watching and shit. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, but I, I, yeah, man, that. The Cowboys from Hell, that opening riff. Oh, unbelievable! Yeah, you know, and you know what? I, if you ever get a chance, go listen to ZZ Top Lagrange. Uh-huh. I think they, I think they stole that riff. Oh no! It's I, it's it's sped up a little bit. I could be wrong. But dime bag stealing it, riffs. Dang it! Hey, I don't care. He did it better. So if, fuck ZZ Top. <laughs> Hell yeah! Um. Well, I appreciate you coming on today, Coach. Um, appreciate you, you know, just giving some good information to everybody. If people want to get in contact with you, um, as far as sales uh, information, just to talk with you and ask questions, how can they get in contact with you? Um, 
probably easiest way is go over to Instagram. It's Nate Harvey two six zero zero. My phone number, email, and all that stuff's listed on there. Um, email is nharvey at elitefts.net. So I'm, I, I got shit all over the internet, so it's pretty easy to find me. Yeah. Check him out, coaches. He's got awesome, uh, usually daily exercises and everything like that. I've stolen a couple of them here and there, and uh, it's good stuff. But uh, thank you for being on today, coach. And uh, as always, everybody, stay strong.